The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network proudly presents to you, in association with the House Show Crew, a little morsel for your Monday. Answering all the questions that you send our way. So no more lollygagging, let's take on the day. Welcome to the running. Welcome to the running. Welcome everyone to your Monday morning coffee. This is... The Run-In, which is presented by The House Show, which is presented by The Retro Network. We are the inception of Monday Morning Wrestling Podcasts, and it is your host, Mr. Maddie Treats, holding it down, and we had an AEW pay-per-view, we had some fallout, we had a uh, exploding death match we had to talk about. It's been the talk of the, of the wrestling world for the past week, and when we're talking AEW... I have to call on my man, internet wrestling community sensation, really one of the first stars of that wrestling community, uh, Crone Meltzer. Crone, uh, how have you been, buddy? I've been doing great. I'm glad that my number's been called upon again. Um, you know, you, Hellions, the educator, you guys, we were like the original four horsemen, if you think about it, back in the day. With that YouTube, I mean... If it, if it wasn't for us four, like, we were the the leaders of the IWC, so I think it's only fitting, you know, that the band comes back together and reforms. I, I find it funny that we we, t- we talk you up as an internet sensation, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, you, sh- you, you did one video on YouTube, and I got 10,000 views. Uh, and this is, like, just 10,000. This is, like, 10 years later. So yeah. It's, I mean, the, the size of your viral hit isn't as big as we talk it up to be, but, you know, kayfabe, kayfabe, you know. It, it was nice, if you remember at the time. I think we, we like, filmed that, like, a day before we went to a Raw. We went to the Raw in Rochester or Buffalo, and we came back and we found out how much the hits had gotten because the guys over at Death Valley Driver weren't very happy with me. No. Um, yeah, we filmed that in my parents' bathroom. Uh, we will <laughs> actually, though, I, Kevin wants us to do, you know, we have a, uh, a one-year anniversary of the podcast coming up, and I know Mr. Hellions... Uh, you know, he does the hot tag. I know he, he wanted to do a history of Crone Meltzer, the story behind the story um, for, you know, for our one year anniversary. So maybe we can get Kevin to to write up some questions hmm. to send them to us, ask us. And, uh, you know, we, we can we can sit down with him. He can interview us and we can really tell the story of how that came to be and, and what we filmed and how we wrote the promos and stuff like that. I mean, dude, if you think about it. That's going to be headline news everywhere. I mean, this is going to be what, like the first official interview, I guess, quote unquote, I've given and spoken in public in 15 years. I mean, granted, I've been on this podcast, but actually discussing the nuts and bolts of the the Crone Meltzer character and what was behind it. Not a lot of people know you were the Paul Heyman in that, you know, but those are seeds. We'll plant those and we'll visit that down the road. Yeah. Yeah. We'll water those seeds. And then what do we do? We dig the hole with our fingers. <laughs> Was that the old? Uh, I don't know if that's forty-year-old virgin, forty-year-old virgin, Seth Seth Rogen. 
for planting the seeds with our fingers. So, uh, but why don't we get right into it, uh, Grown Meltzer? Of course, we always have you on because of AEW. Uh, we had a big event, uh, did, and I, you know, with the event being on Sunday night, it was really hard for me. I, I work Monday mornings. It was really hard for us to get together after the pay-per-view. I mean, the pay-per-view went to midnight, and then our turnaround, our, the, you know, our show drops at 6 a.m. on uh, Monday morning. A little tough, but I, I figured, you know, the obviously the exploding death match was going to be, or the non-exploding portion of the barbed wire death match, it was going to be the talk of the town. I wanted to let it settle a little bit and see how they reacted to it. Um and really get your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, the Omega Moxley match, I thought was a good match, obviously up until the, just the end, the end ruins it. I feel so bad for Moxley and Omega because those guys, you know, throwing each other into barbed wire, uh, really putting their bodies on the line. And then for everyone to just kind of, uh, poo poo on it and, and poo poo on the end, uh, you know, I feel, I feel bad for the, for the two of them because of it, but what were your thoughts on it? Did you like the way that, you know, AEW just sort of, um, they, they're leaning into it. They're, they're running with it, bringing it and trying to make it part of the storyline. I, I do like it. I went back and forth on whether I thought it should be one of those things where they should just come out and acknowledge that it was a mishap or if they should, you know, write it into a storyline. But yeah, they, they've kind of, you know, done the best of both worlds. They've kind of acknowledged that it was a mishap, but then kind of also worked it into the storyline that it was, you know, Kenny's fault and his, his bad construction. I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I totally agree with you on the fact that it's unfortunate because of what came before it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the match was a five-star classic. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't the Tokyo Dome and Omega and Okada. But what this was was a very different type of match and the intrigue around it. You know, I the first barbed wire match I had seen ever was in 2005. It was Sabu and Abyss and TNA. So I was really intrigued to see how um, a mainstream company like AEW would present something like this. I can only remember WWE promoting barbed wire one time, and that was for a steel cage match in 04, I believe, at No Way Out with Big Show and JBL. But regardless, I didn't know how this was going to come across. And, you know, having the, the what they call it, a triple hell with the, the three things around the ringside with the explosives on them and the barbed wire and everything. I thought it was a, it was a unique setup and those guys put themselves through, through some damage. You know, they, they hurt themselves. It looked like Mox got caught early the hard way on that trash can. And that looked brutal. I mean, he was, he was bleeding heavy early on. Yeah. Um, I, I always like to, you know, it, it's funny. We say they put their bodies on the line and, they are are taking chances and then wednesday they just come out like kenny omega just comes out showing no damage nowhere like maybe sell some of the injuries from it i mean uh moxley wasn't there i did post on twitter of course moxley had the promo with kingston uh you know you could do no wrong with those two those two are probably two of the best talkers right now i mean top five talkers in the industry right now and uh, I just want to sit around a fire, drink whiskey, and talk to those guys. Because how cool of a night would that be? I mean, I mean, Kingston's the man. I mean, he's fantastic and um, really using the um, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder in, in trying to say that the 
the reason he he was he blacked out was because of his PTSD, uh, you know, from being in jail and stuff like that. I mean, I, I thought that was very clever. Um, I, I just it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to and it's unfortunate that that's what the explosion looked like. I mean, in no way do I think this was planned ahead. Um, do you think this was planned ahead? Not by a, any chance? Not a, there is not a chance in hell that this was planned ahead of time. There is no way that they meant to do it. As a matter of fact, I did see somewhere on Twitter, and I know Twitter can be skeptical, but I saw somewhere a picture that somebody had of the actual test run of the explosion from earlier, and it did look significantly bigger. So I do think they had actually planned on it. It was just something happened, you know, live TV, pal. And unfortunately, they had the whole angle with Eddie Kingston planned, and you can't really save face from that. If it's just Moxley in the ring, he can kind of get up and look around or whatnot. But Kingston's got his head down. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. For all he knows, they just have the greatest spectacular ever. But, you know, and it's really unfortunate because Eddie Kingston, I'm telling you, I didn't know a lick about him really before he came to AEW. And that guy probably is my favorite wrestler right now. He, what he can do on the mic, he's not a Bret Hart in the ring, but man, him on the microphone, he could sell what snow to an Eskimo. I mean, he really could. So coming out of that, we, we really got two feuds. We got the, um, it looks like we're going to see Omega taking on Christian, Hmm. You know, Christian Cage, who was the Hall of Fame surprise. Wait, wait, wait. For... The instant classic Christian Cage. Oh, there you go. Captain Charisma, right? What was it? What are they? Whatever his name is. Uh, so Christian versus Omega, which I'm sure, I mean, that's a dream match for you, right? Is that something you've been waiting your entire life to see? No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, but, but more importantly, I, I think we got the tag team of Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, versus uh, what'll be the Good Brothers, which I think will be a, I, I think that'll, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I I think that'll be a good match. You know, I don't think the Moxley and Eddie Kingston, I mean, I know that they'll be teaming up, but, you know, for how long? I'm assuming Moxley at some point in time will want to go home with Renee when she, whenever she has her kid, but I think this will be a good way to elevate Eddie Kingston. I, I know they were just in a main event on pay-per-view a couple of months ago, but I mean, Eddie Kingston didn't really do much after that. That seemed just like sheer dumb luck pretty much. I think this could give him, you know, a little bit of a position or much to the contrary. Do you think that this is kind of like a, a mouthpiece type thing? Do you, I don't think Moxley needs it, but do you think that maybe they're thinking, you know, this can't hurt? I think it's a way for Kingston to get the rub from Moxley. I so really do. do. So. Um, I think it'll be good to see them as equals, um, you know, and they, they, they tried to do that obviously with, with Kingston getting the, the, the title match. I think I brought it up to you that Kingston was never eliminated that night. Cause we, we recorded mm-hmm. the night yep. after, and yep. it was good to see them bring that into the, um, into the, the story arc there. So, uh, no, but I, I think what this is going to do is going to elevate Kingston, uh, you know, put him on a pedestal. I think he'll be like a, upper tier mid Carter. And I think that's a great spot for him. Um, you know, he'll flirt with main events. He, he will be fed probably to Omega. Omega will beat him. Um, but you know, you're going to need people to feed to Omega until what I'm going to guess happens is Adam page beats him for the title. That's I, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you said that AEW does such a great job of interweaving these storylines. I mean, Kenny Omega is a champion right now. Eddie Kingston, 
John Moxley, Hangman Page. Those are three people that legitimately have a story that could win the title from him, like a world title material story. You know, for all three of those guys, that's that's something you don't see very often anymore. Now, now, what are your thoughts? Have you heard uh, the impact with Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega's involvement with Impact uh, coming up? I think it's the 21st, the 20, no, the 20th, I think, is the No Surrender uh, TNA, or excuse me, Impact uh, pay-per-view, which will be Rich Swan taking on Moose to unify the the TNA heavyweight title and the Impact heavyweight title. And then I want to say it's April like 23rd or 24th. Uh, Kenny Omega will be taking on the winner of that match. Uh, I don't know if it's title versus title. Uh, I, I'm not too, too sure exactly what's going on, but do, do you think it's going to be uh, Rich Swan? I mean, like you said, they're, they're kind of intertwining and playing a lot uh, with it. And it is good that they're intertwining these storylines, but I think it, there sometimes is a detriment because with the with the the intertwining of storylines, you have people playing heel one week and then playing face the next week. I mean, a, another case in point is Lance Archer. Lance Archer came out during Sting, so apparently now he's he's a, a heel when he was just playing face a few weeks ago. Like there's there's no consistency with it. I mean, look at the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have changed. It seems like, you know, face and heel. And really, they don't, they're not changing. There isn't these, this catalyst. There isn't this big moment where you're changing, you know, heel um, or face. But the, the Bucks are playing depending on who their opponent is. Um, and it, when you have a company full of tweeners, it's not good, in my opinion. I, I need someone to root for in the storyline of, of professional wrestling. I want the good guy versus the bad guy. I mean, I know, like, I think that's what gets Orange Cassidy over so well, is he is the underdog. Like, people like him. Darby Allen, people like him. He's not a heel. Like, that's what's getting these young, Jungle Boy. I mean, they have these young baby faces that are going to be huge, huge stars in the industry. Um, as soon as, I think as soon as we get live crowds, you're going to hear the pops for these for the, for this team um, and for these guys. But so, like I said, I, I'm thinking the intertwining of, of, of storylines, um, you know, is twofold. I mean, they do do a good job with some long-term planning. So, um, so I, I did bring up, you know, uh, you know, sting and Derby Allen. What did, what did you think of the street fight there and how they got through it? And uh, what's next for team Taz? Where do they go from here? I personally loved the cinematic match. I thought it was awesome. Um, Darby Allen took some bumps in there. Brian Cage, I mean, one of the more underrated spots of the night was him walking up the stairs with that suplex. Darby Allen hoisted up on his shoulders. Brian Cage looked like a million bucks. Um, as for what's next for Team Taz, I mean, they've kind of been floundering, haven't they? And this is one of the things that kind of... I feel it's an issue with an AEW is you have people like Brian Cage who are perceived and pushed as like these main event caliber players. He came in and he won the uh, casino ladder match for, uh, was it the T? I'm pretty sure it was for an AEW title shot. I don't think it was for the uh, TNT title, but he yeah. won the AEW title shot. Took on Mox. And, yeah, and he lost. I feel like he hasn't really won anything of substantial value, yet he still remains in, like, that top five. And I feel like they do the same thing with Ricky Starks. Like, how uh, you can come out and get the heat for beating up Sting and everything, and I understand the faces go over, but 
I couldn't tell you the last time that Cage and Starks won a really meaningful match, and that's with even out like mentioning Hobbs, who hasn't done anything recently, and I think he's got a bright future too. Yeah, I I feel like they're very heavy on the heel side right now and not on the face side. You know, I I bring up, I, I brought up Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, um, Adam uh, Hangman, a Christian, a, a Christian's the new challenger. Yeah. You know, but besides that, who else is there? Who are you to feed to Omega? Like, I mean, I mean, I think AEW's got a, a litany of people that, if you think about it, they could like Pentagon. I mean, I think with and but again, this Pentagon's going to be mixing it up with Cody. With Cody. I now assuming, assuming this is giving everybody like a fair, you know, a fair shot at a push or whatnot here. Like, I could see Pentagon. Ray Phoenix has already had classics with him. You got MJF out there. Um, well, like well, we said, well, well, don't worry. We'll get to MJF here in, in, in just a moment because uh, that was the big thing coming out of Dynamite as the new faction. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sting. So it looks like Sting's gonna take on uh, Lance Archer. <laughs> is it? Uh, is it gonna be a cinematic match? You think? Is is that all that they can do with Sting now? Um, I do think it'll be a cinematic because the vignettes that Lance Archer had and that okay. backwoods thing. I think Sting goes there. Now, I think Sting will win, and then I think it's going to be Omega versus Sting, I think would be. Really? That's how I would I would go, because I think that's a big, big um, thinking that if at, what's the next pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, if they hold off Christian versus Omega, which is a ways away. I mean, it's two months away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you here. I don't like Sting versus Omega. I think that that goes counterintuitive to everything that AEW has tried to tell us. If, if if in your hypothetical, we'll say Omega faces Christian at double or nothing, then he goes to all out. We're going to assume in this fantasy world that we got a crowd. This is the first time we can have somewhat of a substantial crowd. Hangman Page is sitting right there. Do you really not put, isn't this a WWE move? Isn't this just as bad as bringing in Goldberg? I mean, I don't want to see Sting. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really want to see Christian up there for all it's worth. I'm okay with giving him, like, you know, one shot at the at the belt or whatnot. But, like, they they, they have a, so many, like, good, young, fresh talent. Like you said, MJ, oh, Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, And then you got the guys that haven't had a shot on national TV. The Pentagons, the Ray Phoenixes, the Kip Sabians, the Miros even, Lance Archer. That's nine people right there that I feel like should deserve some of that rub before Sting. He's had his day in the sun. And Christian... Look, I hate to say it, but at some point in time, you are what you are. Like, AEW can't have all these guys that thought at one point in time they were main eventers, and AEW's like, here's a run, you were a main eventer. Like, that's not that's not the way it is. You had a 20-year run, you can't just erase all that. Christian's a good hand, don't get me wrong. But for a company that's competing with the WWE, do you want to pay 50 bucks? Would you pay 50 bucks on the fact of seeing Kenny Omega versus Christian? Is that a money match for you? No, not for me. Exactly. I, I, I thought AEW, by hyping up, by even saying that they were going to have someone signed, hurt Christian so much because the speculation was crazy. People were saying, uh, I Batista. saw people saying Batista, John Cena, yep. uh, CM, of course, CM Punk's oh, always going to be the Lesner. first one. Yep, I Lesner. Saw now, that. 
the that was the only way you could have exceeded expectations if Punk came out or or Lesnar. Um, so to have I feel bad for Christian because that is I also feel bad too because the WWE is has Edge in their main event and everyone when they were teaming looked at Christian as second fiddle. So then you have AEW. They're like, well, we have you have Edge, we have Christian, and you just, have Jeff Hardy, we have Matt Hardy. Don't just, you think that's kind of a bad thing? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think it makes them look a step behind the WWE. In now, all honesty, let me ask you this: If they were still to do these announcements and sign Christian and Big Show, do you think they would have been better off in flipping them? Do you think Big Show would have been better off being the quote-unquote huge signing? Because then you could even say, well, we said huge. We didn't have, literally, like literally, it's huge. I wouldn't have even announced. I, I I understand the Paul White announcement, like, and then there was the speculation because he was on that dynamite with Shaq. Like, would they have an interaction? What's going right. on? And they didn't even show anything there. So that was a little. I think that was a dream match. Like for Shaq's some got a storyline going on or something because he left knows? the ambulance. So I don't know. <laughs> have you seen the video online of Shaq just? gets out of the ambulance and walks off and the people go crazy. No, and then I they show you. It's hilarious. That. You got to watch is, it. Is he missing from, uh, has he been on, uh, TNT I think he was on, on yeah, NBA? I think he was like on TNT cause they had the all-star game like the next night. So Dude, he's killing kayfabe, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, yeah, I, I just, I, they shouldn't have said anything. Had Christian come out. Like just imagine if they didn't say anything and then Christian came out to help on Wednesday night. Yeah. That would have been a lot more impactful. Like, yeah like it would have been a bigger surprise it would have shocked the audience and i think people would have been more excited for it do you do you think AEW shoots themselves in the foot too much by hyping up these big announcements and stuff like that i think tony khan hypes his announcements up too much because he's such a wrestling nerd that he gets excited for things that casual fans don't get excited for isn't that a problem that's part of the problem though isn't it you said tony khan is such a wrestling nerd he should have known that this is how people would have reacted to Christian, right? If he's one of us, surely he knows Christian's not a huge, huge star. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, have you seen the way they run the Jaguars? <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, hey, Irving Meyer, Irving I mean, Meyer, Trevor no, Lawrence, you better. They're bugger. bringing in Sting to be the head coach, apparently. Oh, yeah. uh, no, but I honestly think because you can hide Sting up and then Sting versus Omega in the ring, you're going to have Omega do. I mean. Omega can make him look good. That, Dude, that was my theory. Make it a dynamite match. I imagine that would get a killer rating if they did something like that. Well, here's the thing. If they're not going against, I wonder how much dynamite will change if NXT moves its night. Do you think they will since they announced that the takeover is going to be Wednesday and Thursday night? Does that signify that they may be staying on Wednesday? I don't think so. I think they'll move because of the NHL deal. Okay. so yeah, you That, do that was my theory. I think it will move to Tuesday's NXT. And... Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's so much wrestling going on. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, that, that's literally going to be seven straight days of WWE programming with yeah. Raw. And then NXT would be Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and then SmackDown Friday. And the pay-per-views two nights again this year, yep. isn't it? Yep. yep. And then so, you have Monday on Raw again. And then if and then if NXT's on that Tuesday. You have nine straight days. Like, that. Yeah. that's wrestling over. Kid. And then Wednesday, Dynamite. I'll be, not, I'll be tuned in for that. Not even including all that stuff. Um, so what did you think of, uh, so where, where do you go with Darby Allen? What do you what do you do with Darby Allen? I mean, he just had the match with Scorpio. Uh, Sky, it looks like they're going to get into a longer program with, with Scorpio really doing a hurt, uh, heel turn here. I, I like Darby Allen as the TNT champion. I think you'd agree with me, though. 
it just doesn't seem like he's main event ready yet. So I feel like you'd have to lose the belt at some time. Maybe that is to Scorpio Sky. I will say one good thing about AEW is they're very judicial with their title changes. They don't just toss them around like hotcakes. So, I mean, if Scorpio does win the title at, we'll say, the next pay-per-view or something like that, I would be content with that. And if you ask me where Darby goes from there, I mean, maybe maybe a feud with Miro or something like that. I mean, you'd really have to run down the list. Maybe a feud with MJF, you know, or an eventual MJF feud. If he's, you know, we'll get to it. But if he's done with his thing by that time, maybe someone like him. I mean, Matt Hardy. I there's a lot. Maybe Hangman. Uh, there's a lot of interesting choices. Yeah, I think it's a lot of. I mean, who knows where they're going with it? Um, all right, why don't we? Why don't we get to it? Let's talk MJF. Let's talk his his faction. Let's talk the inner circle going face. Hmm. Uh, what did you think of the 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 close the show closing angle on Wednesday night? Did you like it? Um, does it make sense to you? Um, and what I mean by that is, okay, so MJF has this faction, right? Yep. So did he know that know or- go. Ortiz and them were not going? I mean, think about it. If Ortiz, uh, Santana, and uh, Hager turned and joined him his faction would have had like 10 people in it. He would have been the Wu-Tang Clan. I think, so if I was trying to, when I was trying to rationalize it, my thought process was he was going to have them all beat up Jericho and then he was going to turn on them and have like his stable beat up what was left of the inner circle. So basically kill two birds with one stone, like Jericho, your own guys turned on you and we also beat you and them down. That was me trying to rationalize it. Um, I think as far as, first off, I feel like it is getting close to Wu-Tang Clan levels because they had six guys standing up there on the stage with Tully Blanchard and Wardlow and Sean Spears and FTR and MJF. Um, I like the long-term storytelling. Uh, If you remember, Spears and MJF had their long history back to when they were betting together at the beginning of the pandemic. They were close betting buddies during those things. So there is some tie in there. Um, The only thing, it's just, I'm a, I'm a big mark for Wardlow. I think he's got a big future ahead of him, and I feel like he's going to fall to the back of this group. I feel like Spears can do some solid out of this. Spears hasn't really been an upper mid. I mean, I know he wasn't an upper mid-card guy since his feud with Cody, but I think this could give him maybe a nice push that he's looking for when he plays second fiddle to MJF. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I know you and I are both New Japan fans, and they're cut from that stable claw. So, hey. I'm completely fine with some WWF 97 faction warfare. Some gang rules. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm definitely, I feel like it gives more people a chance to get exposure, honestly, when you do that. You like the faction action? I do. I mean, let's be honest. We could even go to Raw. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin would not be seeing this much TV time if they were on their own. It's only because they're in the Hurt business. I really think a stable just genuinely helps everybody involved. So when do they get rid of Sean Spears? Because <laughs> he seems like the odd man out. I mean, I mean he really is. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think that Cody or Tony Khan, do you think that it is their personal goal to try and get Sean Spears over? Because he was the first quote unquote, like WWE, like misused guy that they signed. So they really want to prove that they can make him work. I, I think they have. I, I I think he's, 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 he's a decent wrestler. Um, and I think they're just trying to find the right spot for him. 
and tried to read reinvent him, but I just don't. He's been so defined down. I wish, and they may add. I mean, th- this is the perfect perfect spot for Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. With I mean, you. I, I know, I know she's not the most uh, likable person yeah. in the world, and everyone hates her, and doesn't sound like a great human being but for being honest here like she'd fit perfect in there tully bringing her in with ftr mjf wardlow get rid of sean spears and throw tessa in there i think a big misconception with aew and this is something that i feel like even me as a fan kind of had to rationalize with and people have to understand is that at the end of the day aew has a like we said so much good talent on their roster but the fact of the matter is, is everybody's not going to be a world champion. It's just not possible, let alone when you book a company, like I said earlier, with title changes that are so judicial, that makes those titles mean so much more. As much as you and I like Jungle Boy, you know, there's no guarantee that in 10 years from now, he's going to be a world champion. You know, there's so many people on this roster from Darby Allen. I would say Ricky Starks, honestly, probably. If we're excluding MJF, I would say Ricky Starks probably has the best shot of being a world champion over a Darby Allen or a Jungle Boy. And I think, no, I think Jungle Boy. You really think Jungle Boy? I think TNT will like his family, his father. I think that's a good story. He's the small underdog. People like him. And I think that's why JR calls him Jungle Jack Perry is trying to get the the luke perry connection on tnt which was home of 90210 you know what i mean like yeah, it just makes, makes sense. sense to me pollination yeah um i think the, the media will love him warner media um you know and he's good he's really good i, I think he will be good. now you know me though i'm a mark for for ricky starks i'm a ricky marks so um i i i think that guy's awesome but he loses every week i mean that that's what i'm saying with right like the problem is, is that, and this is like, it's almost a convoluted discussion, but AEW, the way that they book everything is they have a lot of their people rack up their wins with, you know, cheap victories on dark. And it's even kind of like that on dynamite to a degree. You know, if you get Layla Hirsch versus Britt Baker, which by the way, props on Baker and Thunder Rosa in a lights out match next week. I think that's going to be phenomenal. And I'm happy that they're doing something like that. I think that's good for all parties involved, but it's, it's so, it's so difficult to give all these people meaningful wins and trying to keep them over. You know what I mean? Like everybody can't, there has, I'm not saying there has to be, but there does have to be jobbers. Like there are people that have to lose. You can't have FTR and the young bucks and the best friends and, you know, um, Jurassic express and the acclaimed and the list goes, you can't have all of them win every week. You know, I'm sure you've been a wrestling fan longer than me, so you may even remember the early 90s when they had all these tag teams and stuff. It's okay with being like whether you're a godfather or natural disasters or, you know, just players. That not that what made the Attitude Era was good was that they had so many characters that they didn't need to be world champions. It's just that you liked them, and that's kind of what AEW has right now. They got a lot of people that people like, but you got to realize not everybody's going to get a run with the strap. Yeah. What do you What do you think too, and what do you make of them adding another YouTube show? Do you watch Dark? Honestly, when it first started, I did, and I don't anymore because I know what it is. 
it's, it's just a, two hours of matches, watching. right? I mean, it, it is. It's a glorified. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, if a hometown guy like Jay Freddy or someone like that was on there that I wouldn't check it out. But what's the point? You know what I mean? I know who's going over in these matches. And and you can usually look if you see the card. You know how you'll get those fringe matches where it's like two kind of indie teams? Like, you may not know who wins, but like if somebody like Bear Country. If they're going against, like, another, like, fringe team, you have a pretty good idea Bear Country is going over because they were in the Battle royal. So it's just not meaningful. But I feel like they're trying to make this Elevation show a little bit more meaningful. Yeah, we'll see because that launches, I think, today, Monday. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And you, it's only I, an hour long, I so... I'll um, be checking out and to hear Paul White on comment. Now, are they keeping regular Dark as well? Yes. So... So are they filming it's three like nights, it's three nights of AEW too? So do, do they? Do they <laughs> I know you're. That's one thing you wanted was more wrestling in the world. So they're going to be starting their shows at what, like four or five o'clock now to tape Dark and like Dark Elevation, and then you got the. I mean, dude, when we go to Ro- the Rochester show, we, we <laughs> might be an all day affair. Well, I wonder too. I'm just curious. I don't know how what their taping schedule will look like if they start traveling for shows. I mean, who knows? Maybe. They keep Daly's place set up and they can just run that for those shows. And then we would just get Dynamite in an extra hour um, uh, of matches. Because I remember when I went to Dynamite in Cleveland, they they did two matches before the show. No. And then like three after, right? They yeah, it was like the bigger matches like Janela and uh, I think Omega wrestled on one. They saved that for like post Dynamite. But yeah, it was just it was one of those things where um it just depends on what your main event's going to be. I think my main event was like best friends versus, I don't know, at the time. Who was it? Like like the hybrid 2.0. Oh, that, another team that I like that just doesn't see enough action, you know, because there's just not enough room or anything for them on there. Um, so so where do you think they go with, uh, speaking of tag teams, where do you think they go with the, the Bucks here? I mean, the Bucks are once again taking on a tag team that isn't a tag team. You know, it's funny, AEW is supposed to have the best tag team division in the world, and uh, anyone that gets a shot is a team that's not an actual tag team. That's what this is what I mean to you by getting wins like I don't want to say meaningless wins, but Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF like that's not really a tag team classic that now granted we could say the same thing for when Hangman and Omega were the champions, but they had, you know, built I don't think what Jericho and MJF have had what two tag team matches, you know, at Kenny Omega and and um, Hangman Page seemed a little bit more organic. Ah. But still, they were a team that was just put together. Yeah, I hey, believe me, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, there's a lot of teams that they. This is where it gets weird because when we talk about this stuff, I also don't know where a lot of like the forbidden door stuff's going to come into play. You know, could we see God come over? I would love. Is that, that a possibility? I mean, could we see you know who's who's an impact now? Like, I'm going to be honest with you, I. They have Finn Juice. Oh, yeah, Finn Juice. And, I mean, they got the Good Brothers who are the um, tag champs as it is. But, yeah, like, I don't know as much. That's why I feel weird about when you're talking about Sting and Omega. I mean, dude, if you open this forbidden door, you really want to give me, and don't get me wrong, Sting Omega sounds cool on paper. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're a company that you've been preaching for, like, for years now, almost two years now, that you're about a youth movement. And trust me, I'm the biggest AEW mark you'll find. 
I don't want to see that. It's counterintuitive to what you said. Even if Sting does lose, if you want to throw that on the dynamite, oh, Sting's losing that's that fine. match. He's not winning, that, and that's fine. But if you want to throw that on a dynamite, that's that's completely fine with me. But I don't want to sit there and feel like I'm paying fifty dollars to know that Kenny Omega is going over. You know, Sting. It's a foregone conclusion. I don't want to see that. There's way more interesting matchups, and AEW does a damn better job at telling storylines that I feel like they don't need to resort to that. Sting can just have, you know, whatever beef with people <laughs> snowfall on occasion. The, snowfall from the uh, from the ceiling, and yeah, he could come like, out, be interrupted on the microphone, and then walk back to the locker room. Well, let me let me ask you this: Do you think Sting's been that big of a draw for AEW? And if you say, well, no, you know what, I, I mean, I, I'm just trying to think like, I think from a, his, I bet you his action figure will sell when that comes out. His t-shirt was one of the top selling ones on pro wrestling tees. Like, I, I think from a uh, factor of that ratings are ratings, whatever. I, I don't think that matters, but I think media likes it. I, I'm thinking that's more of uh, let's satisfy the media partners. Let's satisfy think- TNT. And I think that's okay. I think having him float around with Darby is okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't think Sting needs to come in and be this player type thing. Like I would be okay if Sting was just by much like Arn Anderson is with Cody. Just have Sting be there with Darby. That's enough. That's all you need. Darby's getting yeah, the rub but from him. What's you gonna start. happen? What's gonna happen, Crone? Is Omega? It's gonna V trigger Sting. Sting will probably die in the ring, and then Darby will come out. And that'll set up Omega Darby. And I think that'll be good, but I don't think I don't think Darby should be the guy. See, here's my No, Darby won't beat him. Guys. I'm just I I'm, feel like this me, this book in here. When when we talk about Jungle Boy and um Darby Allen, you gotta admit those guys are really, really small. Like, and I feel like Omega is a a lot of your guys in that main event scene, like I understand that Allen had his feud with Brian Cage, who's arguably the most juiced guy on the roster. Like, there's a lot of really big guys in AEW as well, like, deceptively. Like, just, I'm talking, like, muscle-wise. Like, if, if Jungle Boy put on some muscle, if Darby Allen put on some muscle, I would be more content with that. But And I like Darby Allen, but, man, he comes out there and he looks like a stick figure just flying around, you <laughs> it's know? It's great, like, though. I, I like Darby it, Allen It is a lot. great, but is it is it world champion great? I don't think not yet. I don't think not yet. Maybe in a couple of years, you know, maybe in like five years when they get him over organically. I absolutely think so. I also think you don't think Derby Allen's over. You don't think he's over. I do think he's over. I just think that maybe my perception of him, I don't want to say is altered, but we've been in this pandemic for a year now. So we're so used to not having a crowd that it's hard to say. You know what I mean? Miro could be one of the most over people right now, but we and granted, I'll give I'll say to you that he's been in crap so far, but he could be getting juiced reactions from the fans. But we don't know because we don't have a crowd, you know, so, I mean, it's hard to discrepant, you know, to the person that got hurt the most from this has been Adam Page because he was getting over so big. I know. And I feel like they're just trying to tread water with him for now. I feel like that's what the Matt Hardy and the Dark Order thing. Speaking of which, he should not be the leader of Dark Order. It should not be him. I don't know who it should be if there should be one, but it should not be Hangman. I feel like there's more stock in the story of him breaking away from the elite because he wants to do it on his own, and then the Dark Order keeps chasing after him, but he still doesn't. I like do like the segments together. of them riding lawnmowers together, though. I I do too. I think all that stuff. I mean, is, that's that's a take on the the broken universe. Yeah, it just needs to like. 
Hang, I feel like Hangman could be one of their really key players in the long. Like him and MJF, I feel like are one and two for like these are guys that in ten years I see as like the Roman Reigns pretty much. Like those are the guys that I feel like people will be paying. Pay, and I, I think Darby Allen and people like that could be there too. But I think those two guys have the most. They have the fans behind them. They both got the chops, in my opinion. They both got the characters. Their in-ring work is MJF's is perfectly fine. Hangman's is exceptionally well, in my opinion. I, I see I see huge things for Hangman Page. I absolutely think he's the one to take the belt off Omega, and he should be he should do it when there are fans. All right. So I think we've covered everything I want to cover, but there is one thing, Crone Meltzer. One last what? thing. Uh, your favorite female wrestler of all time debuted. Maki Ito. You sent me a text and you said, I love her. Yeah. So take the this is the floor. Th- take it away. You, you want me to tell you why I enjoy her? <laughs> Just get whatever you want to do. Buddy. I mean, look, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash home. But the thing I like about her is I feel like she has, she, I don't know. Probably not. Do you know her actual story, like in real life? I don't know. I don't know. This was her, the AEW stuff. The only thing stuff I've ever s- seen about her. I mean, very entertaining. And uh, I did watch BTE because I was curious what they would do about it. And she had a skit with the Dark Order where she walks in. Oh yeah, I she's saw just that. Like, hey, motherfucker! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which was that. really funny. So her backstory is pretty unique, and it's kind of a rabbit hole, but over in Japan they have these things called idols, which are people that I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm totally knowledgeable in this, but from my understanding it's pretty much people that are selected to be like their celebrities over there. And she was an idol at one point in time, but she was deemed too ugly to be an idol. So that's why her gimmick now is like the whole anti-idol thing with her coming out and singing badly. It's almost her poking fun at herself for not being good enough to be an idol, which if you think about it, is kind of a cool way to get a gimmick over for yourself. And I don't think she's bad in the ring. I mean, her and Riho still, in my opinion, is one of the best ones on there with Britt Baker fastly, like, you know, improving and everything. But if they bring people over like her and continue, I, I don't have a problem with the Joshis. I've heard some people aren't the biggest fan of them. I like having the Joshis over. I think that the Joshis can bump like crazy. I think that they're really good in the ring. They're a lot crisper than a lot of the greener American female wrestlers. Um, so I think that kind of helps. And, I just think it gives a little bit more diversity, you know, to to the the women's division. You know, it do, it doesn't hurt. It's not like they have a loaded roster as it is. You know, we're still waiting for Chris Statlander to come back. Now Anna Jay's hurt. I think Tay Conti's a super good wrestler that should get pushed at some point in time. But this goes back to what I said 10 minutes ago. Unfortunately, everybody's not going to be able to get pushed. Some people are going to have to eat the L's and, you know, stay at the bottom of the card. And if that's her role, that's fine. You know, she can be, like I said, a godfather like figure, someone that, you know, fans get behind and bring them in. But, you know, they don't need to win the big one. I like that. I like there being some character in the women's division. Very nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, there's there's tears to everything. Like I'm a tier one superstar. And then you have, you know, yourself, Icy Champ. The educator's the enforcer, and then like the jobber to the stars is Kevin. 
job squad. So if, if, if you had to give him, like, if he had to be from any point in wrestling history, who, who would you equate him to? Who is he? Who, Kevin? Yeah. He's like, he's a little bit of Orange Cassidy because he's lazy. Okay. He's a little bit of Bastion Booger. <laughs> he's like a mixture okay. of Orange Cassidy and Bastion Booger. If they uh, had a child, Kevin Decent would be. So he's child. the orange booger. He's the orange booger. Yes, that's that's well, that's well. I'm, I do I do think you're right on though with the educator being the enforcer. Yeah. He's there to back anything he's up. He's our Arn Anderson. He's the, absolutely. He's a little. He's he's hurting right now. And you his, are the nature boy. He's front our, and center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of the J.J. Dillon. But that's that's about it. All right. I think that's going to do it for us this Monday morning. Uh, Crone Meltzer, anything you want to say out there to the people? I I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday, you know, for these guys doing the house show now currently running on Saturday night's main event. Um, Again, I currently currently we don't know what's going on with Peacock. So yeah, pe- pending the future, I think um, I may have to talk to the guys about uh, what I'm going to say. The Peacock in the room, so we got to figure this, that. Is out. this breaking news right here that there may be a trouble? Not trouble in paradise, but there may need to be an audible call. We may have I, to audible depending on the transition. I'm I'm hoping that Saturday night's main event, seeing it was an NBC Universal property, would be one of the first ones they would bring over to Peacock. But um, I guess we have till like April to find out. So. Well, you know what? You got your topic for next Monday. Then there you go. Got to discuss the Peacock deal. There you go. All right. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Maddie Treats. You can follow Kevin at Mast Library. You can follow our show at TRN House Show. Um, you know, usually Kevin does the run through of everyone. I want to thank anyone that has helped us along the way, uh, you know, for all the podcast logos, for the support. Uh, we're coming up on one year. I never thought we would be doing this for one whole year. Uh, Kevin and I have started and stopped many a podcast. Um, and I, I'm just really happy um, that, you know, you guys have joined us for the ride. So thank you for that. And we will see you this upcoming Thursday for a regularly scheduled house show where we're discussing Saturday night's main event 11. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.